Hello and welcome to episode 51 of the Figure Podcast. In this episode, we are going to have a bit of a roundup of 2020, um, including lots of recommendations, thoughts, reflections, thinking potentially about what we've enjoyed this year. Gee, and do you want to go first? We're going to start with some of our favourite memes. I don't know about you guys, but my number one all-time favourite meme is, because there are just so many from this year. Do you remember back in March when the WhatsApp groups just kept, I mean, it was absolutely insane. But there the was... one with the Italian man with a wine glass in his bathroom and he had lots and lots of mirrors, um, cheersing himself, going chin chin, chin chin, thank you for coming guys. And it looks like there's about five people in there. And it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> Such a good idea. And my second favourite is Matt Lucas's Boris Johnson. I remember you sending me the chin chin, thank you for coming, <laughs> that one. Um, <laughs> when, <laughs> when this all started and you sent me about five or six COVID-related videos and memes and that was the one I would just like replay, 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 replay. And the other one that I've been replaying is the dog called Tika. I think that's how you pronounce it. She's she, I think, is an Italian greyhound. If it's a he, it's a very stylish greyhound. I mean, equally stylish both genders. Maybe it's non. Yeah, that's no. Let's not go there. <laughs> God. <laughs> but that makes it's it sound fine. like I'm making fun of it, and I'm not. I really no, am. No, we we all know you're not, Shah. Wears lots of different outfits and she is lamenting the fact that she cannot wear all these cute outfits. And then there's another video which is asking about if there are outfits that are a bit too much. And I just love it. Love the memes. Hopefully they keep coming. Podcasts. Um, How to fail. Loved. I went through a phase. I think I'd left it for um, two months or something. And so I had this backlog. And so I listened to it every single day for like 10 days. Do you have a favourite episode from this year? It was the Lem Sisse one. Have you listened to that? I have. I love it. It's amazing. Lovely. I can still remember the running route that I did with this episode on because it was that kind of profound. Imagine. What's great about How to Fail? Each guest will have three failures or four failures or whatever it is. And sometimes you, you don't relate to them at all and it's just interesting to hear about. And then some really hit you. And it can be through figures that you're like, oh my gosh, I have nothing in common you with. Or you become, you have an affinity to, to something that they're talking about. So that was great. Um, but there are so many good ones on how to fail. And, and Elizabeth Day did so many lockdown bonus specials, which I was so grateful for, um, including Daisy Edgar-Jones, which uh, mm. is a hint for a topic coming later. Uh, Jamie Dornan. <laughs> so good. Like I basically listened to this imagining this amazingly sexy man who's Christian Grey and Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, I'm thinking like this will be like quite a Hollywoody thing, interesting. Wasn't that kind of wasn't think what well, didn't have very high expectations, basically. First of all, find out that he's Irish, Northern Irish, sexiest voice to go with like the body. So down to earth, they talked about, I think what I loved about that episode is that you got a bit of more push and pull and Elizabeth has quite a few things in common with Jamie Dornan because they grew up in the same area in Belfast 
and at the same time when the so-called troubles were on so there was a lot of history that I didn't really know before listening to this that was weaved in in a very natural way I just loved it I think it was one of the best episodes um so Mo Gaudat who was one of the bonus episodes and he wrote the book Solve for Happy and he talks about the importance of your expectations and your perception of life and how balancing those two is where you can get a sense of happiness that you otherwise couldn't and that actually your your imagination and your kind of expectations of a certain event or what's being expected of you can really really impact your life so hugely and if you start tapping into that it makes a massive difference that podcast literally changed my life when I heard it the first one that he did and they did a second one and now there's another interview with Elizabeth Day and Mo Gaudat on his podcast which is called Slow Mo so I'd really recommend that as well. Gosh. Now that I'm thinking about how to fail, there are just so many episodes. They're brilliant. Um, I also uh, love David Tennant does a podcast. Um, he had a great second season, which was fantastic. Grounded by Louis Theroux. Um, they have a very similar vibe, those two podcasts. Um, and they're great. They're just really kind of just comforting to hear. To anybody who hasn't listened to either of those and they're thinking, where should I start? I would say with Grounded, go straight in with Miriam Margulies. You will <laughs> laugh your head off. Yeah, And with, with David Tennant, I really liked the Judy Dench episode. I thought that was hilarious. And it was great. I, I think as well, David Tennant does a podcast. He did an amazing one with John Hamm, um, which was fantastic. Because again, with, with similar to what you said about Jamie Dornan, you expect the John Hamm to just be like Hollywoody, super hot, handsome man, like very successful. And you get all this backward information that you can really relate to, uh, which I didn't expect. Joe Rogan experience I discovered this year. I also really enjoyed um, Armchair Expert, which is a podcast by Dax Shepard, which is in a similar format to the Howard Stern show. The episode with Bill Gates and Hillary Clinton um, were great, um, but he has loads of interesting ones. And he's got he's got that really long form style where it's like two hours long, um, which I really resisted listening to those podcasts initially and probably spent a year and a half avoiding them. Great. The um, Fault Line, um, Hunting Jelaine, which is a story about Jelaine Maxwell um, and kind of the Jeffrey Epstein story. And table manners which is brilliant singer jesse ware and her mother lenny ware and they interview a guest through usually pre-corona they cook them a meal and then they talk about their childhood and their life in the kind of lens of food but um through lockdown they just did it all over zoom and it was great i would be really sad if i'd been finally like this is literally my dream to be invited onto table manners i don't know why i'd be invited on but I've got, I'm only like 25. So hopefully by the end of my lifetime, they'll still be going and I've been invited on. But if I was invited on during lockdown, so I didn't get to have Lenny's food, I would be so sad. I'd be like, can we please postpone? Because I really, really want to come to your house. Um, the Kylie <laughs> Minogue episode was great. So was the one on, with Florence Pugh, who's in Little Women. My only added one for podcasts is something I've discovered in the last month, which is called Saturn's Return with Kagi Dunlop. And long-term fans of Maiden Chelsea <laughs> will remember Kagi from the first season. And she basically talks about that transition period at the end of your 20s, which is a kind of, it's to do with astrology where you're, 
Saturn is in the same position as it was when you were born, when you're around 29. And she interviews people about their own Saturn return and what happened in their life at that time. And then she also has astrologers, um, counsellors, some quite wacky people, some people from Maiden Chelsea. There's a whole big mix match of people. Um, Another surprisingly very good podcast guest is Jamie Lang, who's just been on Strictly. And this was before I think he went on Strictly. Um, but his episode was fantastic and there's just quite a few really interesting ones and astrology is a funny one I think I've kind of changed my views I change my views all the time on it but my the long-standing view is that no matter if it's true or not if it helps you then what what does it matter so I think it provides a lot of people a framework that can be helpful and kind of guide them so that's a really good one I'd really recommend Saturn's Return so episode with Jamie Lang and episode with Julia Samuel who also had both of them or have been on House of Fail, both great episodes. Okay, sure. Can I move us on to films? Yeah, films. Which films have you watched this year? Like, there's no cinema. Good question. Now, I want to talk about two films in particular, um, and you're right, because I haven't seen many films, but these two films were amazing. 1917, loved. That was this year, right? Yes. Yes. Great. Um, I nearly Googled it. <laughs> and the second one was A Quiet Place, um, which is a film uh, produced and made and directed by John Krasinski. He stars in it with his wife, Emily Blunt. I didn't know what to expect with A Quiet Place. Um, obviously, it had a lot of hype that it, when it came out kind of a couple years ago. But it is just brilliant. And it just reminded me how amazing Emily Blunt is as an actress. Oh my word, she is fabulous. Any films that you saw, Shah, this year? I think I've just spent the entire year re-watching my favourite films, essentially. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, I can't, I'm trying to think of any new ones. I basically went to the cinema once. Oh wait, no, I saw Emma back in... February. Anya Taylor-Joy yeah. is incredible. And any film with Bill Nye, this is quite a good technique, actually, if you're ever wanting to, thinking of like, what should I watch? Google one of your favourite actors and then just find a film that you've never seen that they're in. And especially if you go for somebody top-notch like Bill Nye, it's normally a pretty good film. Um, that was good. And then I watched this film called Broken Hearts Gallery, which might be one of those films where it's really good in the cinema because of the whole cinema experience but essentially premise is that there's this girl who is a bit of a hoarder and she holds on to stuff from her previous relationships and kind of collects them and then her friends say right enough is enough you need to get rid of all this stuff and then she bumps into this guy who's trying to convert a place into a hotel and she essentially changes this in the interim period into a gallery of broken heart objects so all these people come along with these things that they've also been holding on from their previous relationships. And then they have little stories and it's just quite, it was quite a heartwarming, pretty cheesy film. Earlier pre-pandemic feels like another year. So I, have, I feel I forget very quickly what I've seen this year, but I've made a list and here they are. Uh, the Undoing, which is recent. Yes, I would say that I was hooked by it. I could not stop thinking about this show, both right. like unreal. Like the acting is out of this world. The whole, it actually is a book that they've turned into a TV show. Um, yeah. And it just, 
very briefly without any spoilers think like new york very high society manhattan a school lots of money very well-to-do couples and a murder say no more hugh grant nicole kidman um also big tip for this if you haven't already seen it watch it with somebody else and if you're living on your own watch it with a friend and try and coordinate and then discuss it because if you watch this and don't have anybody to talk to about it you will go mad brilliant and also if you're a hugh grant fan um, i recently re-watched notting hill with someone who had never seen notting hill before and um who was that who has never seen notting hill before yeah nick i'm shaming you right here (laughs) (sighs) but he loved it he was cackling throughout the whole time taking hugh for granted yeah have you listened to it yes i have (laughs) it's so funny so again very quickly because i'm aware that we're literally just firing recommendations left right and center um it is about it basically it's these two film students who are just friends and they discuss every single hugh grant film and tv show that he's ever been in and then at the end they ask this question has this film taken Hugh for granted like is this film or tv show good because of him or does it kind of ride on his reputation like they're basically kind of uh busting the myth that he's oh, can only do one thing and actually when you've seen the undoing and then you go back mm-hmm. to watch some of his previous stuff you notice how nuanced and how very very specific and precise his acting is He's so underrated as an actor and The Undoing has just full on blown people away. 100%. Um, Another TV show that I really enjoyed this year. (laughs) Is it Emily in Paris? Um, I did watch that, but not not the one I'm thinking of. Selling Sunset. Loved it. (gasps) So good. Loved it it i cannot wait for the next season yeah anyway i don't want to spend too much time analyzing it because i think we all know why it's great um and it's because it's made to be addictive and it's made to be compelling and it's fab so love selling sunset uh queen's gambit loved anya taylor joy again um an amazing stat about queen's gambit actually is that chess.com which is this online um chess social media is what they call it but I guess it's just a chess like where you play online chess and after Queen's Gambit was released they went from having 30,000 new members a day to 126,000 new members a day within a month like over the month that um after it was released any others to add to that list the crown yeah we don't need to say anything more about the crown. We discussed that at length in the last right. episode. <laughs> normal people. Um, okay, right. So normal people. We actually did try and discuss this in our August episode, but there was so much to say that we ended up not really doing it justice. So <laughs> um, should we give it a go? Round two? Yep. It's kind of so hard to know where to start. This TV show is just so beautiful. It is. It's also really painful. And I would also say, don't watch it alone. Again, acting-wise, those two 20-something-year-olds are just phenomenal. I don't know how they did that. They got into every pore of the character and just completely embodied it. I was so... just could not take my eyes off either of them. And their chemistry was absolutely perfect between 
characters of Marianne and Connell. Um, if anybody hasn't read the book, I would very much recommend that you read the book as well. And I think you could probably watch it and then read the book or either way around because they're both so brilliant, actually standalone and they complement each other so wonderfully. Mm. Um, do you know how many people have streamed Normal People? I do because I saw your notes. Oh yeah, 62 million is essentially a story of a relationship. And what is so great about normal people is when you hear the word relationship, suddenly we're like, oh my God, what what even does that mean? Boyfriend, girlfriend, friend? And that's exactly it, is it takes you through just the journey of them meeting up until the point where they're probably like mid twenties and showing you all of the nuance and circumstance that surrounds human beings relating to each other whether that's in a as a in a friendship or romantically and the two central characters Marianne and Connell it's a journey like a lot of romantic relationships that we experience in our lifetime but it, so it's, <laughs> but it also shows um how how funny connection and chemistry is it can be so unsaid and yet so understood and then at the same time so misunderstood and unsaid um and they just struggle through that plus they're going through their own struggles personally um both of them go through very challenging feelings and circumstances and I think every single person who's ever feelings for another person can relate to it I think that's why it touched us so much I I think the most interesting thing about it is looking at communication and the unspoken communication and then the miscommunication and the lack of communication when it's so obvious what they need to say but they just can't say it right we've all been in that position where there is something that we need to say we need to say we need to say and we think that we're thinking about it so much that we almost forget that they don't know it and but you don't and then it like all goes wrong because you haven't had this conversation I mean I certainly recognize myself in both those characters massively and it's like I am infuriated at them and then I'm infuriated at myself because I know what I should have done but I still didn't do it (laughs) right and that's why it touched so many people but the way the way that it examined mental health I think was radical especially in terms of young men's mental health and therapy Um, I think that has had a huge impact and the other major impact is consent I think Mm -hmm. that the consent scene is just one of the most important things I've ever Mm -hmm. seen and it's something that I would like every single person to look at from actually quite a young age like I really I think that we need to change sex education massively um Oh my God, sex education was this year. I know, I know. Seriously, Shah, it's hard to remember everything. And also, just going back to the consent point, it was interesting having normal people come out and then I May Destroy You coming out, um, which I didn't see all of, but that goes even further into consent. And the common thread between those three shows is the intimacy coach, who is just an amazing woman and there's a right. really good podcast that she did which we will link because that is a really fascinating oh podcast. yes the one I sent to you and I yes it was so good it was on the show me the way podcast which is um a podcast by 
Bloomberg TV and radio coordinator Naomi Cavill. That also reminded me, talking about TV shows, I watched Last Tango in Halifax, which was brilliant. A very kind of, very British, BBC, cosy, but like explosive family drama TV show. And also the assassination of Gianni Versace. I would say I would rate it like eight out of 10. So not up there in my top Netflix, but definitely if you want something that's thrilling. I feel like I can't think of anything else. Along the same lines (laughs) of Last Tango in Halifax. So this is the recommendation that I've been holding back and I have waited to this moment to tell you about it, which you've probably already seen it. Okay. The Durrells. It's just the most wonderful thing my friend Lydia recommended it to me and I'm watching an episode a day with my mum and it is just the most heart lifting cozy quaint but dysfunctional family dynamic hilarious laugh out loud like it's so escapist in the most perfect way that we really need right now it's that is my number one recommendation for anybody who's feeling a bit lost and a bit like life mm. is bleak and awful put on the Durrells and then dream of going to Corfu the other MTV um, show recommendation <laughs> I've got before we move on is His Dark Materials which seems weird to recommend that because everyone like loads of people have been watching that and it's been on BBC and it just finished but I think that this season was even better than the last one and I think, yeah, again, similar with normal people, I wish that every single TV or film adaptation had the author as a an executive producer on it because the difference that it makes is just huge. You You feel like you've kind of dived into the book and then you've found out even more than, which mm. hardly ever happens when you have a visual adaptation because normally you're just so annoyed at all the stuff that they've left out and all the things that they've changed and it's like totally quite wrong but totally. with both of those I just think they've been incredible again acting is amazing Ruth Wilson as Mrs Coulter has just outdone herself and the visual effects are great I was completely gripped I think as well just I feel like this is a good tangent to talk about tv shows because I think with streaming now obviously we can watch so much at a time and there's all these amazing shows and content coming out and it kind of links into this self-care category that I have been wrestling with this year and thinking about like what does self-care actually mean because it can sound a bit fluffy and I think with tv streaming sometimes you do just need to do nothing and focus on something else and completely escape and all of these shows for different reasons do that and because you can watch them instantly it means that you you can have lots of periods of time where you know if you need half a day or a whole day where you actually cannot work or socialize and you just want to kind of dive into that you can um And I would say the other things that have really helped me do that this year, as well as television series, is exercise, enough drinking enough water, morning routine, the ability to let yourself do nothing, which is really hard. Um, And often I ended up I end up reading, which is also not a bad thing. Um, Fake tan has been a big one for me. Um, Love it. I feel like I feel like I just feel like I look so much better and when you feel like you look better you just feel better about yourself and it just feels great especially because you're not we're not going away on holiday anywhere 
and a cocktail at the right time. I love that tangent. The other um, thing that I'd add to that is enough sleep. It's really important. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, and actually, if you're ever struggling to get to sleep, download Calm, download Sleep Stories, put on Stephen Fry, Blue Gold, you'll be right off to sleep. <laughs> I also found this amazing channel that I'm going to link as well in the show notes. Um, they're these, I feel like they're Irish brothers. And I found this link and it's 12 minutes. It says guaranteed to fall asleep in 12 minutes. And I've only listened to it three times, but I have not heard the end. So it's worked. So I'm going to link that in because I know that so many people have had issues with sleep this year, myself included. I never had issues with sleep ever, ever, ever. And for some reason this year I've turned into a very nervous sleeper um, to the point where I can't always guarantee that I'm going to have a good night's sleep. And actually when I have those nights where I only get like two, three hours of sleep, it's probably when I'm the best in terms of self-care to myself the next day, because I don't give myself any crazy expectations. And I just go, okay, you just need to focus on getting through the day, getting through each hour. So let's be really in tune with what's going to help right now. And, and more often than not, I found that I've actually been a lot kinder to myself in those situations than I Mm. normally. I think music is for me, a huge part of looking after myself because um, and sometimes I haven't listened. It sounds like I've listened to loads of podcasts. I have loads of recommendations, but it's just, it's a month is quite a long time. And also we're looking back on an entire year, but I think I probably listened to fewer podcasts this year than I have in previous ones because I don't feel the need to be productive. Like you don't need to be productive all the time. If you're going on a journey, you can just listen to your favorite album. You don't have Mm -hmm. to be learning something the entire time or listening to that thing that your friend has sent you because you're feeling a bit guilty that they really loved it and you haven't listened to it yet. Um, Don't listen to stuff out of pressure, like listen to it because you want to. And on that note, we've got to talk about Taylor Swift. (laughs) I love that Taylor Swift just dropped two albums by surprise, the first one in June, the second in December. And both, they're sister albums of each other, Folklore and Evermore. Oh, and Shah, have you seen Miss Americana, the Netflix documentary about her? Yes, brilliant. Um, I completely agree. And I would never have described myself as a big Taylor Swift fan, but those two albums are game changers. And it took me a while to get into them. And then... The first one I listened to in Barcelona just on repeat. I just couldn't. And to the point where, you know, that Spotify thing where it runs down all of your kind of top people. I was in the top 2% of Taylor Swift fans. If somebody said that to me this time last year, I would have been like, no way. That's not me. (laughs) the wrong person. Yeah. Yeah. I think I remember I showed you Exile uh, for the first time when we were driving in Edinburgh back in August. Um, I still remember that. Yeah. yeah. I remember exactly where we were when we were listening to it. The top... I think the so the top song played on Spotify for 2020 was Blinding Lights, by obviously the- because of that TikTok dance, which with sad. Arthur's dad, which is he is giving it 100, <laughs> percent and I am so there for all of it. <laughs> I love it. So I honestly think it enlightened. It was like during the peak, peak, peak. Like it was probably like the 10th of April. Um, And I sent it to so many people and they all loved it because Arthur's dad would make us practice. Firstly, he started with, why is everything chrome? Um, 
then we did um the one where you're going up you're going up the stairs we did some other practical jokes ones and then he got in his mind that we had to do blinding lights um and that fish dance so uh yeah we did that and also savage and the savage remix is also in barack obama's top songs of 2020 barack obama by the way has an impeccable music taste and he talks about this briefly in the brené brown interview that i mentioned it's great it's like sort of a mini desert island disc section of the interview oh delilah montague we have to talk a tiny bit about her i so she's obviously been on the podcast she's a very old family friend of mine and i'm so proud of her this year she's done so many gorgeous songs and quite a different style to what she was previously doing she's been so creative and i really really love what she's doing um if you haven't heard her music go and check it out um Next question I wanted to ask you, what are your recommendations for who to follow on Instagram? I've been going through a love-hate relationship with Instagram this year and I delete it occasionally and then download it again. But the thing that I love about Instagram is following people. Some people I follow and it's very um, at arm's length, so it's just about their work. And then I also have those sort of people that I follow who literally show their kind of daily routine i'm just going to give a bit of a list of people that i follow where it will stop me from scrolling and i just look and really appreciate and love their work and normally close instagram after looking at it so first one is charlie maxey author of um the boy the mole the fox and the horse he has saved so many people's mental health i think this year totally i I cannot put into words how much I love this man and his art. And I have watched pretty much every YouTube video there is available of him as well. He's got some beautiful ones around Christmas. Um, And yeah, I just think those characters are so powerful. I'm really looking forward to, I might download the audiobook, have that as a kind of good night's Mm. story. Friends of mine and ours, um, so Willa Bardwill. And she uses her full name of Wilhelmina on Instagram. And she started these absolutely stunning prints uh, back in lockdown, I think. Mm, Um, On furlough. And I just love, I've loved seeing how many of my friends have got really creative during lockdown and have carried it on and have actually kind of forged a career, like an unexpected artistic career. The other people are Mimi Dixon, who does gorgeous little, like little still lifes of, tables that she does for commissions and she also does kind of watercolors of people's houses those are really beautiful beautiful intricate like very domestic homely gives you a lovely fuzzy feeling when you look at them um camilla ambler has also done some beautiful portraits and then someone that i don't know personally but i really like her work is judith clara and she does continuous line drawings of lots of women like holding a wine glass or kind of in some kind of beautiful pose. But I just love like tracing the line and going that it's so clever the way that she puts the work together. And I was looking, I was like, what, who actually do I follow? And a, one of the top was Earth Picks. Do you see that account, Shah? Just no. stunning photos of different parts of the world. I love all of those nature ones. Um and I also follow um, Stay Wild Swim, which is this um, sustainable swimwear brand. But because they just have so many beautiful photos of the ocean, I just love following them. I also love, oh my God, do you know who's one of the best people to follow? Joe Wicks. He's literally so positive, so uplifting, 
loads of content on his stories that aren't fitness related it could be like food or recently he talked about his laser eye surgery or like um home decor love joe wicks and he's the body coach on instagram he is such a person of this year he's in my people of the year and his workouts i mean what an achievement absolutely amazing to lead pretty much the entire country like all these children get them so into their exercise teach them about how you know good for your body good for your mind get you going on the right foot every day I just loved it especially fancy dress Friday which is the ones that I partook in sometimes with some kind of something on my head <laughs> absolutely P with Joe I think was such a highlight of the first lockdown and, and it was so reflective of I think those early days where everyone came together so well and we were you know mm-hmm. we were literally everyone was being homeschooled we had Joe Wicks every day the clapping for NHS happened every Thursday uh, I felt like community spirit was extremely high and people were getting to know their neighbours like they hadn't done before. And Neighbours are still being wonderful. And I feel very grateful to know that some of my godmothers who I haven't seen in a very, very long time have wonderful neighbours. And I don't even know their neighbours that well, but I'm so grateful to them because it makes me feel like they're not on their own and that they have people around them who can kind of have lots of conversations. And obviously I can speak to them on the phone, but it's not the same. Um So I've loved that. And the other person who's made a huge difference this year in terms of boosting morale and just being a force for good is Captain Sir Tom Moore. Oh, yes. Who raised £32 million by doing his 100 laps of the garden before his 100th birthday. I'm sure you guys have all heard the story. I don't quite know why I'm repeating it. (laughs) Um, uh, But the other thing I've loved about him is the number of people that he's inspired to also take on these challenges, one of which is 90-year-old Margaret Payne, who's Scottish, and she climbed the equivalent of Sulvan Mountain. I should really know how to pronounce that, but I don't, um, which is 731 meters high. And she's so she's walked up and down her stairs 300 times in two months. Watching how governments across the world have had to deal with this has been very interesting. And I huge shout out to people like Jacinda Arden, um, Angela Merkel, and a lot of female leaders who I feel like very much took the lead in sort of how to do that very graciously. But I did find it very interesting when Boris, Chris Whitty and Patrick Valance um, would come out every single day and update everyone about what was going on and all having their different agendas, you know, science, NHS, prime minister. Um, And Chris Whitty got so much online abuse on Twitter. I'm sure he didn't see it because he doesn't come across someone who would like be on Twitter. It was very soon after Caroline Flack had passed away in February, which shook so many people, um, including myself. I found, I just just found it so shocking. Me and too. yeah, and it and it was sort of April, and they, they were really trolling him on his appearance. Um, and everyone suddenly said, "Wait, what about be kind?" And what about? what's just happened with Caroline Flack and what we've all been talking about um, for months. And um, it's kind of funny to link the two, but I I remember at the time feeling that was very poignant. Um, 
Yeah. I and think... I was really uh, Yeah. And with Caroline Flack, it was just, I think as well, I saw a few tributes to her at the end of the year. And I think just to continue on paying tribute to the people who've passed away this year, um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, mm-hmm. incredible woman. We did an episode on her quite a while ago. Uh, it'll be in the archive. Um, and of course, George Floyd and Caroline Flack. And it seems odd to put those three together. But for me in 2020, those people have had this enormous ripple effect, like mm-hmm. their lives, which were kind of, cut, you know, we cut short. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was old, but I mean, the timing of it was like so political of when she died, which is totally like the pressure of whether when you die is going to make this enormous difference of like the entire country. It's just crazy. Um but they have had a huge like social movement have come out of those three lives. And I find it incredible that the internet, I think has actually been a sort of a force for good in those ways of, of spreading a message that's very important um, through sad, something sad has rippled out into something that hopefully we will all remember and continue to try and carry with us. Aftermath of Harry Styles wearing a dress on the cover of Vogue loved Uh, that issue was quite shocking to me I understand that people you know do find when we're pushing against norms that that can be difficult to look at and I felt like it was a really good thing for me personally to look at that and observe what feelings came up when I saw that cover because initially of course I was like whoa double take um I'd seen many um actually black actors and people of color, particularly Jaden Smith. I remember him wearing dresses on the red carpet like at least five years I'm ago. I'm kind of questioning why I found it really sho- like shocking to look at. Um, I think that's really good that we do that because, because why? The thing that I loved about that Harry Styles cover and then the backlash and then his response to the backlash was that he took the kind of horrible comment of bring back manly men and then posted a photograph of him in another dress on his own Instagram with that caption. And I just love it when people take an insult and own it and turn it into something that's funny and owned by them. Okay, so before we round off this quite long episode, um, I am gonna give some fun facts, which are my kind of stats of the year, things that I discovered when looking for some positive news to share in this episode. So number one is that 35 balloons were launched in July to parts of Kenya by Google X in order to give them internet and have a Google of the Google X balloons because they look amazing. Um, Second one is 13 years after being introduced to each other, two giant pandas in Hong Kong Zoo are going to become parents. Scotland has become the first country to offer free period products for everyone. And it's also the first country to incorporate LGBTQ history and awareness into its curriculum. And those two things make me very proud to be Scottish. Yeah, different figures from this year, including Lewis Hamilton. So Lewis Hamilton is the youngest and first person of colour to win Formula One. I think he's one of the most like successful athletes or racers. I don't know if that's like an athlete or racer Um, of all time. Um, (laughs) I think he overtook Michael Schumacher this year Emily Maitlis has just been what a figure this year she's done Americast Newsnight um her book Airhead was brilliant I read that in January and it's now going to be turned into a tv show and she was the one that really made that 
crystal clear statement about how the coronavirus is not a leveler because actually everyone who are the sort of frontline workers are those from lower socioeconomic backgrounds and are going to be more adversely affected by this and economically as we go forward um okay so my final recommendation of this episode is the book that i'm reading which is called the midnight library by matt haig who is brilliant to follow on instagram and yes he is I've heard quite a lot about this book. It came out quite a while ago. And essentially the premise is that the main character finds herself between life and death. And in this place, she is in the Midnight Library. And this library is filled with possibilities of what her life could have been had she made a different decision. And so there's the book of regrets and she can choose one of the regrets and she can undo that regret, live the life, see what it's like, learn from it. And what she finds, again and again is that she has this sense of disappointment in this kind of could be life and that actually she learns that what she regrets is not what she regrets so she's described something as a regret when really it isn't and it is the most like beautifully written so funny so poignant and like just pearls of wisdom are like on every page it's incredible and the mindset that it brings you of that life is taking the course that it is supposed to and you just need to keep on thinking that you know stop like overthinking the decisions that you could have done or what you could have like this or I wish I'd done that or hadn't done this and it's so comforting and I do not want this book to end but I'm reading it at like such a fast pace (laughs) Uh, I can't put it down and I just love it. And I would really recommend that as a book for everyone to read in like now, January. I think it will be a really great one to set you up for 2021 and just have this sense of acceptance and also just completely melt into his words because he's a fantastic writer. And one more thing before we go, um, very excitingly next year, the big thing for me is that I've been co-curating an exhibition of my great, great uncle's artwork. He's a Scottish painter called John Henry Lorimer. Um, the exhibition is opening in November next year. And in order to make this as big and beautiful as we want it to be, we are raising funds. We've got a crowdfunding campaign going and Georgia and I are going to be having a conversation about his artwork. I will do a kind of virtual online gallery tour uh and we will post information about tickets all of the proceeds will go to fundraising for the exhibition so stay tuned and we'll share a bit more information about that in the next episode the conversation will take place in february i think very finally before we go um the overall message that 2020 has taught me plans are changing last minute things that we are uncertain of in the future and things that have happened in the past that we can't change that quote from kung fu panda that is always quoted to us, where it is, yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, and the present is a gift. Uh, it's, it's such a great note to end on. Just basically stream Kung Fu Panda. Yes. <laughs> and all of our other recommendations. And let us know when you've got through them all.